Let's talk about life, shall we? And with life, I'm not really good at public speaking. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one guy. So I had to learn a trick. And so this trick is, I'm going to apply it today. I'm picturing Danny Johnson in his underwear. <laughs> Can't get that out of my head now. Okay, I digress. We live in interesting times. 2 Timothy 3 says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And we are to have nothing to do with such people. And I say we live in interesting times because as my short time being a Christian, I see this more and more. I even see it here in the Bible college. I'll explain to you my time here at the Bible college real quick before I go on. It, uh, it saved my life. It was awesome. I, it was how God used it. I was uh, labeled with PTSD and TBI. That's traumatic brain injury. Uh, when I came here, I didn't know how to read. I didn't know how to write. So imagine that. You're coming to a college that requires its primary purpose of reading and writing. And I did not know how to do that. Uh, I tried MSU, and I lived a lie over there. Just, I just kept to myself and was too ashamed to tell people. And uh, my pastor at the time said, well, why don't you try Bible college, because you might find some direction in life. Um, I tried to end my life twice, and to be honest with you, both times should have been successful. But by the grace of God, I'm so thankful it wasn't, because then I would not be here staring and watching and talking and seeing you guys and the things that I do, it's, yeah, I'm super grateful. But how it all started was one professor, his name is Monty Casebolt. And he got my attention. Even though the stuff I was going through was true, they were real things, it was sin because I wasn't relying on God. I wasn't even saved yet either, so how could I? But I didn't know that time. I thought I was. And so I went up to him, and I said, hey, I struggle with uh, TBI, and I don't know how to read. And he goes, shut up. And I was like, excuse me? No one has ever told me shut up before. He goes, shut up. We'll get you through this. I was like, all right, my kind of people. Because <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of guy. I, just, I like it straight up. Tell me how it is. I have no time for pretense. Just tell me how it is. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I just like that. So I appreciated that. But also, I see how this verse has lived out in this school, coming back as well as uh, of pride, pridefulness, um, boastful. I see that. Saw people without self control. I see 17 and 18 year old 
students think they're smarter than their professors. Uh, I even saw it myself uh, when I when I was um, oh man, I'm trying to recall that story. I'll try to remember it, but I saw it myself one time. Oh yes, I went up to a the uh, teacher that was in charge of the discipleship program at the time. And I said, well, I probably have more life experience in five minutes of my life than these students have in their whole life, so I need to be a discipler. How prideful, huh? And I just got saved. Super prideful. And so I told the professor that, and he knew, but he let me be uh, a leader. And I'll tell you what, I did not lead that at all. Those young men taught me more about Christianity and myself than I could ever teach them. It was fantastic, and that was great. So that's just the ways that I've, I've seen it. I, I see it now more so with laziness, uh, being in the SAS program, a lot of excuse-making. So this, and it's more and more. Um, and what it comes down to, it's a lack of discipline of the mind. We are so entrenched in entertainment that it's running and ruining our lives, possibly some of your lives, as it almost did mine as well. I love doing what I want. If I can sit in front of a video game for six hours, I probably would if I wasn't a Christian. Not that video games are bad, it's just they can ruin lives. Um, in one week, if you are enslaved just to your own devices, you will listen to and watch more murders, adulteries, and perversions than our grandparents will ever read in their entire lives. That's how much the entertainment industry is so attractive. And if this is one of you, I just urge you just to listen, but get out of it as soon as you, as soon as you can. And it's funny how it starts. It, for me, this is how it starts. We're going to jump around in Scripture a lot. Um, but I'm going to tell you the story of David in a book that I've been reading. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to give you what I saw. I'm reading a book called Disciplines of a Godly Man. Those of you that have not read this, young men, I highly suggest you pick this up. And in it, he tells the story now, this section is the disciplines of purity, but it relates to so much in our lives that I, I thought I would just share with you. It's called Lessons from a Fallen King. And we all know the story of David, but there were examples of how it happened for David. The first thing that happened is that he desensitized himself. And it says this, We must understand that progressive desensitization to sin in a consequent inner descent from holiness, had taken root in David's life. David's collection of wives, though it was legal, was not considered adultery in the day of its culture. Interesting, isn't it? We get desensitized by our culture. Very well could happen. Now it was with me. Um, video games was a great example, even being a student. I had to take, not, I didn't take the console, I took the back plug-in and I gave it to my roommate uh, when I was single at the time 
And then I gave it to my wife and I said, do not give me this until I graduate. Do not give me this until I graduate. And both helped me to it. The second thing is, David got relaxed. The second flaw in David's conduct, which opened him to disaster, was his relaxation from the rigors and disciplines which been a part of his active life. Think about that. Um, I am personally taking a break from secular music right now. I can't tell you how freeing it is. It's, man, it's been nice. Because I got relaxed and started listening to things that I shouldn't have been. And that was like a month ago, and I just really appreciate not listening to it. I just got relaxed. The second thing is, or the next thing is, he rationalized. What did David do to rationalize when he saw Bathsheba? Does anyone remember? She's home alone, right? He just rationalized in his head that it was an okay thing. And that's what we need to hold on to, those things. What are we rationalizing? What are we willing to, yeah, give up? With that, uh, I want to share with you what I preach to myself. Um, six things that I preach to myself in discipline, and it can relate for you with school, being in school, and also just being in life in general. School is super important, and you're here for a reason. And if you're not here to take your walk with God serious, then I don't know what you're here for. And so I hope this really helps you. I'm a pretty highly motivated individual. So what I'm sharing with you is what I share to um, my basketball boys. I'm a high school basketball coach as well. I share it to their parents. I am super motivated. Like, I love to just go dominate the day. And I try to do it for the glory of God. And I hope that this motivates you to do the same. So the first thing, a discipline that, that we need to have is have a teachable spirit. I mentioned to you that I saw students that um, thought they were smarter than the professor. And um, one student even tried to argue that um, life examples don't mean anything. I remember that day specifically, and oh boy, he got lit up. <laughs> Which comes to mind, having a teachable spirit and getting lit up. Uh, last chapel before the break, Scott Morningstar preached, and he lit you guys up, those of you that were here. How many of you took that to heart and really, really listened to what he had to say? That really got me. That was good. So we need to learn to take correction as a compliment, right? Learn to take correction as a compliment. That's how you become teachable. That means you will grow. Also, learn to be attentive. Learn to be attentive. And when I tell my basketball boys this, I say, what, what do I mean by that? It means... When I'm talking to someone and being attentive, I want them to look me in the eye and tell me they got it 
or tell me they don't got it. That's how you become attentive. First Peter 5.5 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 13.18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs 12.1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Would you like to be called stupid by God? Does not feel good. I can go on about having a teachable spirit in Scripture. I'm pretty sure all you could too. The second thing is understand the difference between confidence versus arrogance. Confidence comes through preparation and good results. Right? In sports, the score doesn't dictate this. Even in, in school, sometimes, sometimes, grades don't dictate this. When I did not know how to read or write, man, I, I had to push myself. I can't tell you how many overnights I had. I can't tell you how many tests I failed. But I would go to the teachers, and I would communicate with them, and they were so gracious to me that they started to help me out by letting me, one, use notes in my exams, which was super nice, so thank you guys. I'm still there for that, because man, that helped out a lot. And by the way, just want you to know, so you are without excuse, those of you that are not doing so hot in school, if I could teach myself to read and write and graduate with a 3.5 GPA, you already have the edge on me. You already know how to read and write. How much better could you do if you actually applied yourselves? And with that, you'll gain confidence in how to study. You'll gain confidence in how to learn your craft and what you want to do in life. In school, I like to say this a lot, especially in sports as well, playing games doesn't make you better. It's the preparation. You don't win games until you work in the off-season. And then the last thing on this I want to say is, in this section is, love the arena, but hate the attention. Love where you're at. Pastors, I bet, struggle with this, could struggle with it from time to time. They love the attention. And look what happens. You see it all over. Pastors getting told to step down because of their pride. Because they love the arena, but they also really, really love the attention. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And Hebrews 4.16 4, says, 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Understand the difference between confidence and arrogance. The third one is a work ethic. Oh boy. I met with some students um, last year and their work ethic in the work field was awesome. But their work ethic here was miserable. Whether you eat, whether you drink, what's the rest of that? All that you do, do for the glory of God. How many times have you heard that verse? How many times has it been shoved down your throat? But how many times have you actually taken that verse serious? I love to teach, especially in SAS, and I did it. Give 100%, 100% of the time. Not 80%, 100% of the time. It gets hard when you're mid-semester and you want to get complacent. You just want to go do what you want to do. Eh, school happen later. No, give 100%, 100% of the time in all that you do. Learn to fight through, through the injuries in life, right? Know the difference between an owie and an injury, so to speak. In your work ethic, spend time with the Lord. Make sure you set aside to spend intentional time with God. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Spend time with the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is willing to work, or not willing to work, excuse me, let him not eat. I think you guys know what I'm getting at there. I was homeless once because I did not apply that verse to my life. And it was not a fun time. Once again, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Pretty explanatory. Good work ethic. Four, learn to be competitive in life. Competitive is not anger out of control. Competitiveness, listen to this, is quick recovery from mistakes. Competitiveness is quick recovery from mistakes. Let me tell you this. Godly people respond. They don't react. Do you know the difference between responding and reacting? Godly people respond. They don't react. 
1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Go dominate school. And use it to help you dominate in life so that you could be salt and light to others. One of my favorite authors is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. How many of you guys have ever read the book Studies on the Sermon on the Mount? Oh man, my favorite book. Hands down. And in it, he was referencing Matthew 5, I believe it was verse 13 when he talks, when Jesus says, be salt of the earth. What good is salt if it loses its saltiness? It is good for nothing. Right? And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I quote, Do you know what our Lord and Savior is calling this person? He is calling him an utterly useless Christian. One who just reaps the benefits of Christendom, but does nothing to serve our Lord. End quote. That's pretty heavy. Learn to be competitive. Learn to recover from your mistakes in life. If you get a bad grade in school, recover. Don't expect no one else to do it for you. You just do it. With competitiveness comes mental toughness. Ooh, I love mental toughness. I can talk about mental toughness for hours. Ladies, don't tune out on this because it's important that you listen. But this one's directed towards the men. Men, we have enough weak-minded men in the church. We have enough weak-minded men in the church. How many times have you seen men fall to sexual immorality? Fall to so many other sins out there. Because they're weak-minded. And being weak-minded, it's not a physical demeanor. It's not letting things get you down. Or even really holding yourself together. Sometimes life is just miserable. Right? It's learning to control the controllables while having God lead you to do them. Right? Let Jesus take control of your heart while you dive in Scripture, while you're serving others. Because when you serve others and go in the ministry, you have to be mentally tough. Right now I'm dealing with someone who's going to lose his marriage. I've cried and cried for that man. But I have to be mentally tough for him. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
Mental toughness is learning how to have self-control. Philippians 4.13 Once again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mental toughness is not relying on yourself. It's relying on Jesus. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things, what? Work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So, recap, we have a teachable spirit, confidence versus arrogance, a good work ethic, learning how to be competitive. With being competitive, learning what mental toughness is. And the last one, selflessness. You can't have the last five if you do not have the first one, by the way. And I saved the best one for last, selflessness. When I get to the beginning of the season, I always tell my basketball boys, what can you give to a team? Yeah, we know the people that can score. Those of you that know basketball, we know what LeBron James is about. You go way back, you know what Michael Jordan is about. My favorite player was Charles Barkley. He was a role player. He was filthy. That man would get rebounds like you would not believe, and that was his role. What is your role in life? Learn that with your academia. Learn that by letting God show you what that is. What can you contribute to a team? What can you contribute in a classroom? What can you contribute in living? Be humble enough to ask for help. And more importantly, too, be humble enough to give the help. How many times do you see on TV where all these people, especially in the physical fitness world, drives me nuts? They're not willing to give the help unless you pay so much money for it. Take care of yourselves. Learn time management. You want to be selfless? Learn time management. Take care of yourself with what you eat, with what you drink, what you read, what you put into your mind. It's a good way to be selfless because in return, will pay off in the long run, I promise you. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's super hard to do, isn't it? We live in a culture where our clothes define us. 
The music we listen to defines us. The term hipster defines us. The term veteran defines me. No. John 15, 12 through 4. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone may lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Man, powerful words. Are they not? One of my passages that I was actually thinking about a lot this week was Matthew 20, verse 28. I will end with this. I don't like it when you get a new Bible and you're just not used to it. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why are you here? Are you here because your parents wanted you to come here and you really don't feel like being here, let me tell you something. Give it a chance. I came here. I didn't know why I was here at first. This was funny, actually. I figured out why I was here, I think, five semesters deep. I don't know how I got away with this, but I took all counseling classes pretty much my first five semesters. And I'm the kind of guy I like to reflect on, like, okay, where am I at right now? And I was looking back at my transcripts, and I noticed I took all counseling classes. And I was like, hmm, interesting. I just latched onto it. And then it was probably a week later, um, the counseling pastor at Grace here approached me, and we, we usually meet once a week, and he's just asked me good questions. said, well, what's been on your, your mind lately? I said, man, I have, a, I have a passion to help veterans. And I kid you not, a week later, boom, ministry started. I wasn't even thinking about it, really. God just, how he let it work, it was amazing. So why are you here? With these six things, I hope they encourage you. I hope they motivate you. Just want to go crush because they are important and they're very, very godly attributes that we can attain. Let's pray. Precious and wonderful Father, thank you so much for this day that you have given us, a day that we could breathe your fresh air, a day that we can wake up and say, Lord, how may I serve you? And Lord, my, my request is that the students here, the faculty, myself, my friends, my wife, Lord, we wake up and say that. 
And so, Lord, I ask that you, you bless the rest of our day, as you always do. And may we be mindful of you in everything that we do. Love you, Lord. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.